Welcome to Daily Dose of Dr. Mary and Dee Dee. I'm Maz Mary. And I'm Dana DelVal. Whether you're a person on an addiction sobriety path, or you know someone who is, we're here to talk about our journey with it. And more importantly, we want to help end the stigma and shame of alcoholism. And we want to bring some hope and laughter along the way too. Thanks for tuning in. Good morning. Dr. Mary, you were doing a little research. I was. Yes, I am too. Um, it is a spectacularly beautiful day in Fargo, North Dakota. The heat wave has broken for the moment. We are in the sunroom, which had we done this yesterday, we would have been baked alive. So it's good to have that break. Yes, it is. Yes, absolutely. It's quite pleasant down here. Yes, it is quite pleasant. Oh, look at this. Bonnie Bowman, good morning. I'll start. There we go. Well done. We'll wait for John Z to chime in. Um, we are doing a, a prep conversation kind of around our guest Thursday guest, Jean McCarthy. <clears throat> you might remember we talked to Arlena Allen, I don't know, two months ago maybe, and she connected us to Jean, who is the founder of Unpickled. Let me put that website up for you. Unpickled. Uh, it's a blog and a podcast. Um, and Jean has written three books so far, Unpickled, Holiday Survival Guide, Unpickled, Prepare to be Alcohol-Free, This Just Came Out, and The Ember Ever There, Poems on Change, Grief, Growth, Recovery, and Rediscovery. And she sent them to us, and she's joining us on Thursday, and we will um, probably send these out to people. So we'll figure out how we want to do that on Thursday. But I want to read you one poem because I like to start with poetry. Just, I think it's a lovely way to do it. And quite frankly, most of us are not reading enough poetry, myself included. So she did a, a poem for each of the 12 steps of AA. So the first step of a 12-step program of recovery is to accept powerlessness over one's numbing mechanism of choice. That's just the step. So here is her poem called Powerlessness. Powerless. No, it's there somewhere, I swear. Powerless? Yes, in some ways, I guess. Powerless? Really? May I skip this one? I just want to be done. Powerless? Why? To release the weight hands weren't meant to carry and free the heart for better tasks. Does that resonate with you at all, Dr. Mary? It does, because in her her one of two books, um, Prepare to be Alcohol Free, she has, she has a little chapter on powerless versus empowered, which was quite interesting to read. Ah, yes. Um, so I want to read you the first three quick paragraphs of her introduction for her new book. Here's a secret about going alcohol free. It's simple, but it's not easy. It's common to expect that life will go on once you quit drinking, and the only difference will be the liquid in your glass. This assumption has caused many failed attempts to give up alcohol, including mine. I tried dozens of time to stop, times to stop drinking, only to find that I couldn't make it past the first day or two without falling back into my habitual evening wine routine. Something always caught me off guard, interfered with my plans, or undermined my best efforts, and I'd be right back at my old ways. Alcohol use has become so normalized in our culture that it's considered a key component to leisure, relaxation, self-care, connecting with friends, sporting events, 
and even parenting. An old narrative that abstinence is only for the addicted creates internal and external stigma around saying no thanks to alcohol. It's time to challenge that idea. Um, and what I love about that, of course, is that that symptom is true for almost everything we are trying to conquer or accomplish. Weight loss, saving money, um, getting off social media, being more intentionally present with our loved ones, all those kinds of things. Something comes along and derails us. Oh, I won't uh, have any snacks today. Hey, you want to meet for lunch? Somebody calls you, you haven't talked to for a long time. You go out for lunch. It's really hard to not eat snacks when you're out for lunch. So our best laid plans get derailed all the time. Hers just happened to be about alcohol. So Dr. Mary, I asked you if you would lead this conversation in part because my week's been really busy. It's only Tuesday. Yeah, I've actually had more free time yes. than you. So her first book, I've, I actually read both this of This is her them. newest book. Her newest book. Oh, did she do? I think this that one? yeah, the Christmas book must have been first. Oh, this book I read came out in March. I didn't read it. I read that one second because I wanted to be. I wanted to watch, read, prepare to be alcohol free. She has another book that's specifically how to survive the holiday season sober, which yeah. is really interesting too. So, hopefully, on Thursday we'll have time to talk about both of them. Anyway, um, you can see from the thickness of this book, I want to bring this up as um, what I do for a living. Um, most people today would love this book because look at that. This book has 49 chapters. Mm. And it's not it's not like it, it wasn't written by one of the, the, the Bronte sisters. Yeah, it's regular size. Who were specialized in writing books about this big. <laughs> you can read this. The chapters are one to three pages, and they just are succinct to the point. There's no fluff. They're sort of like little meditations they almost. They are, and they're really well done. She's got them set up where she she gets to a point, she addresses it, she hits you with how to solve it, and she's got little notes at the end of each chapter um, from, I don't know if you can see. There you go. Oh, right there. These are notes from recovering alcoholics who've put... Who've written to her. Who've written to her. She's, I don't know what how she, maybe she asked them, like did a survey or that she just knows them, but for each chapter, there's a very good point from a recovering alcoholic and it says how long they've been sober after mm. their name so she goes through this very logically um she has a great facebook page too mm. which i i found um she does some video lessons too which are, are really interesting um she did a good one about um she was taking her dog for a walk and you know it was snowing she's she's canadian oh i didn't know that yeah um, so she made an analogy to, you know, an, an analogy that you, you know, you're taking your dog for a walk. So you follow the path that's already been laid out by someone else. If you go off it, you might fall into deep snow. Mm. So following the path of other people to learn from their steps and to get success that way in being sober. So it was really mm. kind of cool. Okay. Anyway. Um, that's a very I, us thing to do. Yeah. To take something that everybody understands, walking a dog and relate it to what we're trying to do. I mean, that's a very many people thing to do. I don't claim that we're the first ones to do that. One of the things I love about the, well, one of the first things mentioned in the first chapter is the secret is simple. It's not easy. And she mm. goes on to say that don't give up first if you can't get sober the first time. That's how this thing starts. 
it's not a and it i've i've said it myself and i've had it said to me you know, being getting being sober is easy you just don't drink staying sober is the hard bit and that's what she starts out with and there's no so there's no sort of oh she just lays it right out for you right there um she then goes on in i think a very nice order to, to through these little chapters to talk about how to succeed in being sober um know your why was the second chapter or the third chapter very simon sinek why do you want to be sober you're doing it for someone else you're doing it for you are you doing it for your health but then you have to she talks about reframing too mm. you can't mm -hmm. go into be she's she she also says like you can't you're less likely to succeed if you start your recovery journey saying i'm afraid of the various types of cancer that you might get if you're an alcoholic and i want to um i want to be healthier i want to be, want healthier. To be mentally present physically yeah. she said you, you start with the fact that you want to be more in control of your life so if you start from it's a positive for you, you've got more, you're more likely to succeed, which I think is kind of cool. Yeah, the example that she gives around don't get sober for someone else is this idea of, well, I need to be sober for my children. No, you need to be sober so that you can be the best parent you can be. It's really, I mean, we talk about this a lot. You got sober because you knew that our marriage would end if you didn't yeah. but you actually got sober for you yeah because if something were to happen to me today you still have to go on living and it makes much more sense for you to choose to live as a yeah. healthy sober human being with or without a partner with or without children with or without anything it's about how are you showing up for you that's the first most important thing, which is why Dr. Mary talks all the time about the analogy of putting your own oxygen mask on first. Yeah. If you can't take care of yourself, you certainly can't yeah. be useful to anybody else. So the, the idea is, if you, why do you want to be sober? I want to thrive. I want to be healthy. I want to be successful. That's your why. Not, I'm suddenly afraid of getting pancreatic cancer. Or my children yeah. need something different from me. Yeah. Um, chapter four. I mean, she, this is I mean, she really addresses these things. The fourth little chapter it. You don't need to hit rock bottom to start being sober. Brilliant. Why is that brilliant? Let's just address this point really quick. I don't drink. I'd love to read the books. Great, mother. We'll see what we can do about getting you a copy. Why? Why is that brilliant to you? Just most people who actually try and be sober wait till they hit their rock bottom. So they have their rock bottom moment. Okay, can I push on that? Because that's kind of like almost being somewhat self-aware that you have a problem. If you can actually address the fact that you have or you're aware that you drink too much and you're not in denial, that's an easier place to stop before you start lying to yourself. Okay, can I um, play devil's advocate to a bunch of this? Sure. All kinds of people that we have talked to as guests would say, I didn't hit rock bottom. I think it's easier for us to count the people who did hit rock, did yeah. hit. Okay, so you said most people need to hit rock bottom. I don't think that's true. No, I, did. I said most people wait. I didn't say they have to hit rock bottom. Most people actually hit it first. A lot of people aren't aware that they're heading in that direction. So do you think we've just talked to unusual people? Or do you oh, think I that this is your experience from 
your AA audience? It might be for my AA audience, I would think, because I think everyone there's hit a rock bottom. But the point of this was you don't have to. Okay, so that's my first devil's advocate. Uh, you said something else. Oh, okay. You said that it's easier to quit drinking if you can stop before you hit rock bottom. Why do you think that's true? Because usually when you hit rock bottom, you're in such a mess. Okay. Um, you're, you, 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 don't, you don't have the capacity to actually take on advice or to con string a constructive thought together in your head. And are you basing that almost exclusively on your opinion, your experience? My experience or? and listening to people in AA as well. So, so I'm really, I would be really curious Which to is what know. I'm interested in the stuff we're doing with Dr. Jaffe too. Um, because most of these people we've been meeting through that, they haven't really hit a rock bottom either. Hmm. Do you think it's fair? This sounds like I'm being super critical of you. I'm really just asking questions. Do you think it's fair to look at someone else and say, well, you haven't hit rock bottom? No, I would never do that. Okay. But a lot of people think they that's their moment. Even if you see adverts for getting help for alcoholism, they, there's loads of yeah, kind of dramatizations of other people's rock bottoms. The point of this is you don't have to get to that point. Okay, thank you. Um, one of the things that the, another ch after that it was if you want to do this and you haven't hit your rock bottom, here's what you do. And it, I thought it was great. I know I would never have thought of this. You want to quit drinking? Go get a medical have exam. A, yeah. Okay. Have a doctor tell you how much mess you're in. Keep going back on a regular, like go back every year. And then you can take stock of your improvement from your blood tests from your doctor. Can I push on that? If you want to. <laughs> I do want to. We're never going to get through any of this. It doesn't matter. We don't need to talk about the whole book. I've got, I've got notes on it. I know chapter. you do. And maybe we'll keep talking about it in other, in other deals. I think this is a more interesting conversation than just a recap. So you went to the doctor occasionally. You lied your freaking face off and convinced them that you had no problem. Nobody ever suggested to you that you had a drinking problem. I was in those doctor appointments yeah. with you. So I want to know how that actually makes a difference. And perhaps there's a difference between the Canadian healthcare system and the American healthcare system. But we know from some of the doctors that we've talked to that doctors sometimes have a hard time saying to patients, particularly professional people who are their patients, I'm concerned about your drinking, just like we know doctors have a hard time saying, I'm concerned about your weight gain. It's an uncomfortable topic for a lot of people, so they just don't talk about it. Well, could be. <clears throat> so anyway, that was a good one. And um, the, what we'll probably have to finish on here is the way you, the, the poem you read out. Um, chapter nine is powerless versus empowered. Oh yeah, talk about that. The powerless thing is actually, part of the tenant of the 12 steps you have to admit that you are powerless over alcohol but powerless as um, she wrote in this book uh, to be powerless means you've surrendered to it or you've quit if you're empowered you still have your ability to choose to live alcohol free so you're doing it on your terms and mm. i think inherently that's where you become more successful because you have control over the decision to drink or not to drink, well, as opposed to having no control. 
a lot of people when you think when you ask them about you know why aren't you doing this anymore i quit it was too hard they're they labeling themselves as a failure even if they don't think about it. yeah boy that has been the really maybe the key distinction between a traditional 12-step program as i understand it and the work uh, that we're learning about from other programs other um, models of gaining back some control over yourself and your life through either a diminishing or a stopping of an addiction. Yeah. I mean, a lot of this goes uh, after that. It, there's great things about, you know, celebrate your mornings. If you're going to, you know, how to survive parties, how to survive social events, have plans, all this stuff's really well laid out in this, in this book. Um, there's a chapter on, <clears throat> Uh, is non-alcoholic beer good for you? And some good advice and to make sure you can drink it without wanting to have a craving for a real beer. So that it's very well explained there. Okay. So I think we can talk more about some of this next week, mm. but join us on Thursday at 8.30 live. Jean McCarthy is going to be with us. There's her um, website, unpickledblog.com. If you're curious to learn more before Jean comes on, go look at some of the blog posts, listen to the podcast, get a little bit prepared, and then come with questions because those are actually the most interesting conversations that we have when our audience engages with us too. And if you don't have a chance to do that, come and listen anyway. She's really engaging. I've listened to a couple of podcasts she's been on. I know you'll enjoy the conversation. You enjoyed the book. I did. And one of the one of the things that's prominent on her Facebook page is this quote. I'm going to just leave it with you. Okay. Life after alcohol is anything but boring. Ah, uh, that took a long time for me to convince you that yeah. you weren't boring. I thought I was really drinking. boring. So I just thought, yes, good on you, girl. Absolutely. All right. So as the scrolling text says, Thanks for being here. Doesn't say that, but I'm saying that. Um, like and or follow our page. I also just wanted to say that we send out a Saturday newsletter. I send out a Saturday newsletter about Daily Dose. If you would like to get that newsletter, you can write to Dana at DanaDelVal.com, D-A-Y-N-A-D-E-L-V-A-L, Dana at DanaDelVal.com. But be sure and let me know that you want to get the Daily Dose newsletter and not um, my other one, so that I get you on the right list. Oh. Oh, hi, Bob. Hey, Bob. Um, let me put this back up so that you get all of that in place. We will see you Thursday. Like the page. Let us know you want the newsletter. Have an excellent Tuesday, and we will see you on Thursday. See you Thursday. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for tuning in to Daily Dose of Dr. Mary and DD. If you enjoyed the content and want to learn more, head over to Facebook to Daily Dose Dr. Mary DD. You can find us on YouTube under Dana DelVal. And if you want to get signed up for our weekly newsletter, email me at D-A-Y-N-A at D-A-Y-N-A-D-E-L-V-A-L dot com. Have a great day. We hope to see you soon. Bye-bye.